sorry. I just had to finish chewing my my, my chickpea, my my beano. It's not beano. <laughs> it just sounds funny. I think beano is like a an anti gas pill or something. Yeah, it is. Nice. Justin is being very mean to me today, everyone. He's calling me high maintenance. He's not letting me get in my snacks and my blankie that I require for podcasting. Never once said any of this to me. And you called yourself high maintenance. (laughs) Well, okay, just real quick. I just feel like the epitome of a garbage person today. Because I'm wearing the same sports bra I have for about two weeks. And... uh, don't really know what makeup is anymore. I'm drinking a cup of coffee at 4.30 p.m. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of myself. Great. How are you today? Okay. I'm 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 feeling spooked. I'm ready to Yeah. I'm ready to like just really tear into this one. Wow. All right. Well, I am ready to spook you and to be spooked. Nice. <laughs> okay. Ow. That's how you want this to end. Yeah. That's how you want the opening to go. I'm so tired. <laughs> right. Well, for the sake of everyone listening, let's just let's jump right in and party. Let's just go. Okay. All right. Welcome back. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm Hannah, and that's Justin, the beautiful man across from me, who uh, just scarfed down two packages of. Gummy gummy bunnies. It's Annie's. They're healthy, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and jump right in because your girl is, you know, riding high off that coffee buzz. Great. Um, I'm really excited and sad to be talking about today's topic because it's one that has always been like in the in the in the shadows of my life. Sure. Um I know that we don't really do this, but if we, if I were to have a hometown murder, this would be my hometown murder. Oh, okay. Um, and this one is even more hometowny because um, my dad knew the victims. So, oh, yes. So um, he was going to come on, and I, he, if he listens to this, which he probably won't, but that's all right, Daddy. I love you, but you take a long time. To, to come to Hannah's apartment and I'm not going to wait mm. for you anymore. So <laughs> I love you. So let's talk about werewolves with him. Yeah, something. we'll, mm. we'll do something that's, you know, that's different and we'll, we'll entice him with like a burger. And entice me. So, I understand, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. So, um, if you live in the, I don't know, lower half of Wisconsin, you might know this one and you might know it in general because this became a really big case yeah. in the last couple of years. So okay. I'm going to be talking about the sweetheart killer. So uh, uh, this st- <laughs> I should know what that is. I know. I well, I don't know. except for you kind of know the story because like everybody talks about it. Well, we also went to that and that's why we drink show. and Yeah. And Christine did this. Christine talked about it. No shade whatsoever. <clears throat> but when I was sitting there, I was just like, oh, well, I know more about this story than you do. And I was like, Hannah, this That's is... because she didn't grow up with the story, probably. Well, and also, I feel like when it comes to, you know, the murder of two innocent people, mm. it doesn't have to be a pissing contest. Also, it... English is not her first language. This is true. Yeah. So okay. I could have just... Not been pr- uh, prissy 
and a little a little bitch. That's fine. It's fine. I kept it all inside, so it's yeah. okay. But anyway, so I'm going to be telling you my version mm. of uh, the murder of Tim Hack and Kelly Drew. Oh, boy. So on Saturday night, August 9th, 1980, which is ridiculous that that was 40 years ago, mm-hmm. um, Timothy Hack Ugh. and his partner, Kelly Drew, who were both 19 at the time, went to a re- wedding reception at the Concord House in the town of Sullivan. Um, it's sort of where Marcy lives. Oh. Ish. So it's kind of in, in in the boondocks. You got like sure. Sullivan, Hallowville, mm. Watertown, all of that over there. Okay. And all together. Uh, Hack and Drew were both country kids who had just graduated from high school. Um, he was a budding farmer and she had just graduated from beauty school. Mm. The couple had plans to meet up with friends at a nearby carnival, freaking baseball fest, Justin, yes, which dude. I have brought you baseball to. Baseball fest is kind <sighs> of a... Kind of a crap show, honestly. It really is. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't just, that great? I'm going to go on a quick tangent. I'm so sorry. Baseball Fest, honestly, is probably one of my favorite things about summer, even though I absolutely hate Baseball Fest. That's fair. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because when I was growing up, I was so happy when I would ride my bike past uh, the Jones Dairy Park, mm-hmm. uh, Jones Park, and or like drive past it, and I would see the the rides going up i was like frick yeah it's almost baseball fest time so in the city of fort um it's just one of those rinky dink reasons for people to get together watch baseball drink and then spend a lot of money on rides that inevitably will make you sick or physically or or, yeah (laughs) make you physically um hurt yeah and or potentially maim you (laughs) For the rest of your life. I mean, honestly, if you have ever been to like an American carnival, you know how sketchy these rides are. Like, I feel like they are just reused year after year. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to insult anybody in the carnival business because, like, you do you, but ugh, it's just not a good time. Also, this one time I th- I ate a funnel cake and then I threw up on this girl that I was best friends with in seventh grade, and then like we're not friends anymore now. But it was kind of funny. That, yeah, no. I mean, that yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> like, all of that story makes sense. Yeah. So. Like, I didn't mean to, but it was the first time I had ever eaten a funnel cake. And then immediately afterwards, we went on the octopus, which just, like... Oh, the spinning spin- one. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to blame you, but also, why did you go on the ride so quickly? But also, did you eat the entire funnel cake? I ate the entire funnel cake <sighs> by myself. Justin, I shouldn't be surprised. You've seen me. You've seen pictures of Hannah at twelve. She was, she was a whole different woman. Well, oh, just a wonderful, wonderful woman. <laughs> so now, are you like, you don't like to eat funnel cake now because it makes it makes you feel sick? Because of who I was in middle school and and like the early years of high school, I cannot tolerate sweets anymore. Because it's like I ate so much garbage that like i have zero tolerance for it now that's why like i'm not a big sweets person yeah it makes me sick well yeah okay that makes sense i guess i'm more wondering for like the mental part of it like yeah because like i don't know people talk about well like oh i drank uh too many rum and cokes and now i can't drink rum anymore because it makes me feel sick Mm. i'm wondering if do you have the same thing with funnel cake I, I do because 
I think that a lot of the foods that I don't like now, I associate with times that I've thrown up. I, yeah, I have the same thing with like a go-gurt packet. Yes. Yeah. And the the pop chips, which yeah. you didn't throw up with, but you just... Uh, close enough. Almost, yeah. Those barbecue pop chips. Not yeah. a good time. No. Well, okay. So another one, uh, when I was little, when I was younger, this is probably like an elementary school, my dad and I used to party all the time. Oh my God. It was great. Like dad would take me, um, when I mean party, I mean my father and I would go to a lot of buffets and we would just (laughs) destroy them. Nick and Hannah Foley did not mess around. It was a personal competition to see how many plates we could get through. And there was this one time we were at this Chinese buffet and for some reason, your girl decided to eat green jello simultaneously with crab legs. Oh. And yeah, she ran out and threw up all over my dad's putt-putt, his little car. Really? It, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. So now, crab legs. It makes sense why he doesn't like you as much. Now. Exactly. See, this all makes sense. 20 years later, he's like, Ooh. <laughs> he saw some green stuff coming out of my mouth and I threw up all over his car. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so the story that I was actually talking about. After that really inappropriate (laughs) tangent. I am so (laughs) sorry. Oh my gosh. I helped with that one. So there is a man laying outside on the grass. Do you see him over there? No, I can't see him, but I do see the snow puppy. Oh my gosh. On a blanket. There is this girl who we want to become best friends with. She is just sitting outside with some champagne and just being super cool. And she has a snow puppy and it's beautiful. Okay, the story. Anyway, the story. I am so sorry. So, okay. The couple had plans to meet up with some friends at Baseball Fest, so they didn't stay long at the reception. Maybe like a half hour, enough to have a drink. Real quick fun fact that, again, is another tangent. Mm -hmm. Uh, The drinking age turned from 18 to 21 in Wisconsin on September 1st, 1986. Wow. Yes. The reason that this is such a big deal is because my Aunt Gina missed that cutoff, and so she had to wait another you know, three years. Oh, I see, yeah. Whereas my mother Rhonda turned 18 in 1984, but she wasn't a drinker. So she was like, well, <laughs> what am I going to do? doesn't affect me. No, yeah. exactly. So just blasphemous. Anyway, Great. I promise I am done. Okay. Anyway, witnesses saw them leave the reception, but no one came forward later to say that they had seen them outside or at baseball fest. Mm-hmm. Um, so their, their plans just were canceled basically okay um so it was a wedding or sorry as i said it was a wedding night um and it was a muggy night because it was just you know mid midsummer mm-hmm. um and most of the guests stayed inside the dance hall because they were celebrating um so unfortunately hack and drew never made it to the carnival they never made it home their families reported them missing the next day um Outside of the Concord House parking lot, which is where the reception was held, Hack's old Cutlass Supreme car was found, locked, and his wallet was still inside. Immediately, just because of kind of like the family's influence that they had on the the surrounding area and maybe just because people were really kind-hearted back Mm -hmm. then, um, a massive search, one of the largest in Wisconsin history to date, was organized. Wow. Um, so a few days after the disappearance, police began to, to find disturbing things on the side of the road. Um, 
Drew's pants were found that were cut from the ankle to the groin. Uh, oh my gosh. Rope and a strange piece of yellow tubing and bits of torn clothing were all strewn across cornfields, different mm. just different parts of um, country roads, and just scattered along the place. Okay. Okay, I'm not trying to um, go through this in any order. So if I go really fast, I apologize. Um, so two months later, some squirrel hunters, which we're just going to breeze right past that. Um, uh, you know, well, uh, I don't know if we can just breeze right past that, to be honest with you. If that is not the most squirrel hunter bum country thing you have ever heard. Because you got to, no one just calls anyone else a squirrel hunter that is like a self-declared thing absolutely because it could be like an insult like oh you squirrel huh you know but like i'm sorry what was, what was that one more time <laughs> I'm just trying to do my like my best country accent squirrel hmm. hunt <laughs> yeah <laughs> y'all oh. just couple squirrel hunters now aren't you <laughs> you sounded like tiger joe exotic <laughs> i'm joe exotic <laughs> Y'all just a bunch of squirrel hunters now, aren't you? <laughs> right, oh, yeah, well, see, uh, uh, it's really sad that we're making fun of this because literally the next uh, three words are really depressing. Oh, God. So right. let's rewind. Let's get all the giggles out for squirrel, squirrel hunters. hunters. Okay, I'm going to start my sentence over. Okay, in serious mode. Two months later, some squirrel hunters stumbled upon Drew's naked body in some woods bordering a cornfield. Hack's oh, body was found only 100 feet away. Though Jesus. the bodies, I know, um, though the bodies were badly decomposed, a forensic exam uh, concluded that Drew, because, you know, why not be the biggest piece of shit ever, uh, had been sexually assaulted and strangler, strangled by her killer. Mm, great. Uh, there appeared to be ligature marks on her ankles and wrists, and Hack had been stabbed in the chest and back. Yep. I just. It's just really upsetting because, like, I I hate to say this, but it's, like, I'm hoping that Tim was dead before yeah. Kelly was raped. Right. Because I can't even imagine how awful it is if you're only 100 feet away and you're seeing your girlfriend that happened to her. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably she's dead. Or, like, vice versa, though. Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. This is my empathy bit that I, like, put myself into people's shoes yeah. and it's not good that, that's terrible to hear this yeah it's important i know it has a happy ending so. oh spoilers oh man uh, okay so leads went in all different directions and mind you again this was 1980 mm-hmm. so leads went in all different directions one theory was that the killer was someone known to the couple perhaps an acquaintance of tim's who was jealous um witnesses reported that the concord house handyman had a bloody nose around the time the couple went missing mm. but he said that he had gotten the injury while deer hunting and supposedly that was good enough because who doesn't go deer hunting in august in wisconsin oh well yeah so like bleeding from within the nose mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't happen unless you get like punched in the face yeah because you don't just run into a branch that hard if it's in front of your nose because you see it yeah exactly you don't there's not that much why would you wouldn't hold the gun where it would kick back onto your nose no like there's no reason for you to have a bloody nose unless someone hit you yes exactly 
And just because I want to check my facts and I understand that 40 years ago, it might have been different. But according to the 2020 Google, deer season in Wisconsin for youths start mm. in October 10th. And then it opens up to the rest of the the population after November. Right. So why would you be August. deer hunting in August unless permits were different? I don't know. I just, it upsets me that that was an okay alibi. I think, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe it was the time thing, but yeah. I feel like it's just well known when deer hunting is in Wisconsin. Yeah. Like everybody knows when it starts. Yeah. Because it's a huge thing. Yeah. And it's not that early. No. It's still summer at that time. Exactly. So, all right. I think the reason it, it is later in the year is because, like, people aren't outside as much. Yes. So, it's like a safety thing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, 10 years went by. 20. The case loomed large in investigators' mind. They mm -hmm. wanted to solve it. It haunted a lot of the local and state police officers. And for years until 2007 there was just no leads there were no leads whatsoever okay however in 2007 some evidence was resubmitted to the state crime lab for the first time the lab was able to isolate the dna from an unknown donor wow mm -hmm. the dna hit generated publicity the publicity stirred up memories people made calls mm -hmm. one tip about a suspect seemed really promising Investigators tracked the lead, researched the sus suspect's background, um, and got really excited. Okay. In June, they traveled to Louisville to interview this man. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't remember the couple, or maybe that he did. Maybe he was at the Concord house that night having a beer at the bar. Maybe he wasn't. The investigators then asked him if he had ever been deer hunting. Mm -hmm. His answer? No, that was the wrong answer. Yeah. Because 29 years earlier, when he was asked about his suspicious bloody nose, he said he was deer hunting. Oh my gosh. I know the story so well and I get goosebumps <laughs> and I tear up I every single time. This is wild. This man was a handyman working at the Concord house oh in 1980. His name was Edward Wayne Edwards. Of course it was. Are yep. you kidding me? Yep. Three names. Yep. And Two Edwards. <laughs> and I'm just going to say he probably had freaking head trauma. Probably. because. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Three names and two Edwards. Yeah. It's the worst thing you could do to someone. At the time, the uh, the article described him as, he's obese, 76, and an old man with oxygen tubes up your nose. He agreed to give a DNA sample. It was a match. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yes. Are you <sighs> kidding me? Every time. Every freaking So time. good. All right. So... You want to hear about this piece of garbage? Um, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, does he deserve it? Probably not. No, not but... whatsoever. But well, again. Let's get into it. Happy ending. <clears throat> so, Edward Wayne Edward Edwards, who was born Charles Murray, which that much Why better it? name. Why change it? Why give yourself a first name that also is your last name? <laughs> Why change it? Why? Why give yourself three names? I don't. Why kill two people? I mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, he was born uh, on June 14th, 1933, um, and was a convicted American serial killer. Wow. This guy has a whole laundry list of just goodies. Okay. You ready to hear this? Let's, yeah. let's start with, with the, the not-so-serious stuff. Great. Okay. 
Edwards escaped from jail in Akron, Ohio in 1955 when he pushed past a guard and fled across the country, holding up gas stations for money and for gas. See, it was fun. Like, <laughs> if you're escaping from jail, like, sometimes it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, it slowly devolved when we started holding up gas stations and uh-huh. innocent people. So, yeah. As you know, do your own thing, but leave other people out of it. Yeah. Exactly. In 1961, he landed on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list, which is like, good for you. Also kind of cool. You know, like a lot of people want to be like a top 10 artist, you know, mm-hmm. on, the, on those pop charts. But sure. Yeah, I understand. That's probably like a, a fugitives. Golden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Lord. That is your golden calf. Exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so finally, he was captured and arrested in Atlanta on January 20th, 1962. Nice. He was paroled for some reason in 1967. And between the years of 1977 and 96, he murdered at least five people. Jeez, yeah. Come on. Really? Yeah. Uh, several <laughs> theories have connected Edwards to a variety of crimes across the entire country, including um, various Atlanta murders between 1979 and 1981. But, sorry, but uh, despite all of his past arrests and the fact that he was, you know, on the FBI's top 10 most wanted fugitive list, Mm -hmm. I guess this information was just not public enough for, nope, for Edwards to not be a strong impression for a suspect in the Hatchery murders. Fantastic. Yep. Um, Which actually is really interesting because... What the theories are around him and his murders, and this is why they think that he had killed more than five people, is that at the time that he was in Wisconsin, he'd only been there for two months. Oh. And so the police were probably like, well, why would he do this to two people that he didn't know? He's just a traveling guy. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of, I'll get into a little bit more. This is kind of like his thing. Yeah, because that's usually not the M.O. of a serial killer. Yeah. It's always people that they've staked out. Yeah. And they know them usually. Mm-hmm. And, like, they've been watching them. But if you've just been there for two months, like, profile-wise, that's never the case. Yeah. So. So it's interesting. And then I guess that's why they didn't think about him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he... In his entire life, he was known as a drifter, and he was just an odd job guy who lived at various campgrounds for months at a time, and then would just randomly pick up his family and move with no notice. Wow. Uh, He was a career criminal, a thief, forger, um, involved in multiple law enforcement impersonator um, uh, circumstances. Wow, that's a bit much. Partook in multiple bank robberies. Okay. (laughs) And then on top of it all, he's a celebrated author. Are you serious? Yes. What? Celebrated. In in 1972, after a short stint in jail, Edwards published an autobiography titled Metamorphosis of a Criminal. No. This book. No, he did not. No, he didn't. Uh, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No, unfortunately oh not. Oh, my gosh. Unfor- like, people paid money to read this. Are we buying it? I would. Okay, I don't. I know that there's negative connotations with book burning. So let's do. I don't want to clog the toilet. What could we do that's destroying the book, but not burning it? 
not buying the book. Ooh, Justin, I like your train <laughs> of thought. You're so smart. Ah, <laughs> uh, so just in case you were interested about the metamorphosis of a criminal, mm-hmm. this book follows Edward's bleak childhood in and out of orphanages and through his adventures in crime. His angle was now rehabilitation. He spoke at juvenile detention centers and schools talking about his experiences as a reformed criminal. <sighs> I see that he created a WordPress. Did he? And, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, wrote the whole thing oh. in a WordPress. Oh. Yep. Oh, how fun. This is legit. This is really sad. At he, least there's chapters. I mean, yeah, I guess. But I don't like him at all. Yeah. And it makes me very sad. Oh, uh, one of the, one of the chapters is called God's Gift to Females. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that's all about him and how he is God's gift to females. Oh my god, can you please read that chapter and let me know? Yeah, I'll get I'll get back to you. Okay, thank you. I really appreciate it. Learning to swindle the school head wall. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> Metamorphosis? <laughs> Earning parole? Give me a break. Oh my god. Yep. Um, well, there are a quick thing because he was so, so uh, famous mm-hmm. was that he also appeared on in October of 1972. He appeared on the television game show called To Tell the Truth, claiming to be reformed and denied any murders whatsoever. So Wait, what? Yeah. He denied it yeah. completely? Well, in 1972. Oh, my gosh. Because he's a piece of garbage. Oh, okay, Hannah, calm down. <sighs> Whew, okay. So now let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about how he was found. Great. Okay. Great. I might butcher her name. April Belasquio, who was at the time 48. Mm -hmm. uh, In 2007, she started to just feel weird. Mm -hmm. She was thinking about her childhood, was thinking about some cases that she had read about but never really got any answers. Mm -hmm. And she was just really confused and she was like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. So one day she, uh, she'd seen some news reports and recognized some of the details about these new reports. The news report stated that some new leads to the, uh, Hacktree murders had come across and that they were looking for any new leads that could help in the 1980 Watertown esque. Uh, when I say esque because it was, you know, yeah, the Watertown area, the, area. the Watertown area murders. Mm-hmm. So Belasquez says that uh, she started reading the newspaper and it was at that time that she had realized she had seen the Concord house before. Mm. She said, I started shaking. I was shaking because immediately I knew who had committed those murders. Who? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I had to scroll down. Oh, that was, was like, such a bad pause. I was like, wait, are you going to tell <laughs> us or no? Belasquio told People magazine mm-hmm. about the day she remembered in 1980 when her father abruptly told the family they were moving that day from Wisconsin. She was just 11 years old. What? Belasquio said the family had lived in Watertown for uh, a couple of months, and the fact that they were leaving didn't seem odd to her at the time. Sure. They moved frequently, about every six months to a year, and with little planning. This is a quote. She said, 
he'd just tell us where we had to move because it was a secret because he was protecting us and we were just supposed to follow us along because there are people who wanted to hurt him or us. Wow. So she was a freaking badass Mm -hmm. and called the police and reported her own father. Oh my gosh. Yup. And that is how he was found. That's awesome. I mean, honestly, without her, I don't know if this case would have been solved. Right. But the fact that like she had this icky feeling of like, it's odd that I was there and then we had to leave so fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not her fault by any means that at 11, she didn't yeah. do that. Like, no, 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 not on yeah. her. But the fact that at 48, she was like, you know what? I have this weird feeling. I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if it, if nothing came out of it, great. You know, yeah. like, yeah, your dad's feelings might have been hurt a little bit of like, if he ever found out of, oh, why'd you call the cops on me? Yeah. But if he was, but if com- he's got nothing to hide, then exactly, yeah. then nothing would have come of it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, the next part is real good because we're going to talk about the hearings. Ooh. So I'm going to take a sip of coffee and let's dive right in. All right. So this is the happy ending part. Great. <laughs> um, so he was shipped up to uh to wisconsin and um was put on trial immediately Mm -hmm. um and he unfortunately was kind of a piece of garbage again right away he um denied knowing anything about it he said that he actually had seen two other people beating up uh timothy and kelly and Mm. didn't do anything to stop them good for him um because he didn't want to be involved sure um, one of the quotes from Tim Hack's younger brother before he was convicted said, I would like to just admit, I would like him to admit it and face up to what he has done. If it means going to trial, it's going to trial. I want that man to admit it, admit and face the facts of he- of why he is here and what he did. Then he can go rot in hell. Ooh, love it. Absolutely worth it. Uh, when he was finally brought into court, he was brought in in a wheelchair wearing an orange jail jumpsuit and blue slippers. Edwards, who had diabetes, leukemia, and heart ailments, was also on oxygen. Great. Okay. So really quickly, Mm -hmm. because I like to brag about things that are really not that important. Uh, The first time that my father ever received jury duty was in 2009. Okay. And this is the first and last time my father has ever received jury jury duty. Okay. Because he went into the courthouse, mm-hmm. was told about the case that he'd be working on. Yep. And uh, then the the judge asked, "Does anyone in this room have any personal conflicts mm-hmm. with this case? Because you know you want you want unbiased. his unbiased opinion." My dad immediately said that he could not partake in this because he would kill the son of a bitch himself. So, wow, good job. Out of all of the cases in the entire world, the right. fact that he got called to jury duty for the man who killed two of his high school classmates, yeah, is just wild. Yeah. So, he's really proud of that. That's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Could you imagine my dad on jury duty? Well, no. But it gives him a chance to just judge other people. I mean, you know? he does like that. And then that. you get free lunch. My dad's uh, conclusion to just like how to solve all the world problems is just to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know my father, 
or maybe you do. You'll understand exactly why. Yeah, maybe not so good. Oh, daddy's a nice guy. He really is. Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, anyway, less than a year later, Edwards finally pleaded guilty to the double murders and was sentenced to life in prison. Nice. Uh, he was given the death penalty um, and was shipped back to Ohio because he wanted to die in Ohio, I guess. Um, and just a few months before his scheduled execution in 2011, he died on death row from natural causes. Good. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. this is a quote just to end this bit. Okay. To the general public, this case may not mean a lot, but it really says a lot about those officers who were here before me and what they did um, and how they did it as possibly well as they could have. And this is Officer Milbrath of Jefferson County Police Department. Okay. Edward's arrest is definitely the biggest news and pr- uh, the biggest news this place has seen in a long time and probably represents the most work that has ever been put into a single case in Wisconsin history. Wow. Yeah. And, like, you know other cases that have happened in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that this, I said that, is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So, before I conclude on this garbage human, mm-hmm. um, I want to know if you have if you have ever heard of uh, the Paramount Network's new, tri- new true crime series. It was him, The Many Murders of Ed Edwards. No. No? Okay, great. Um, So this was created by John A. Cameron. For the last eight years, and this article was written in 2020, for the last eight years, Cameron, who was a retired cold case detective, has sought to prove that Edward Wayne Edwards was the most prolific serial killer the world has never heard of. By the way, this information I'm getting is from Rolling Stone. Mm. He believes that Edwards committed upwards of 100 murders, killing some of the most famous victims of the last 70 years. What? Are you ready for this list, Justin? I don't think so. Great. Jomine Ramsey. What? Lacey Peterson. Teresa Halbach of Making a Murderer. No. Adam Walsh, son of America's no. Most Wanted John Walsh. No. Shonder Levy. Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Martha Moxley. Oh Steve God. Branch. Michael Moore. Christopher Byers of the West Memphis Tennis... Uh, West, West Memphis Three case. Yeah. And the Black Dahlia. No. No. Too far back. Cameron also believes that Edwards was the freaking Zodiac killer, Justin. Um, okay. Yup. Let me tell you why. Great. Just really, really quickly. I love it. The article says, and yes, he's serious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh okay. my gosh. So the biggest thing that he uses for his case was that he just, this man like I said, was an outsider. Mm -hmm. He jumped all over the country. He went from place to place. He, he was so good at just disappearing and re restarting himself in a different home where he just blended in that it would kind of make sense for maybe some of these, but especially for the black Dahlia one, Edward would have only been 13 years old and would have only had a sixth grade education. Like there is no way in my opinion that he could have done that. Yeah, probably not. So eh, it's hard. The biggest reason, however, Mm -hmm. that Cameron thinks that um, Edwards might be the Zodiac killer is that uh, you remember how I was talking about his daughter Mm -hmm. before Edward's daughter. Yeah. 
she has specific memories of watching the TV with her dad as a child. Okay. Watching news coverage of the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. And her dad being saying, no, that's not the way I did it. They're getting it wrong. No. Oh, my God. Okay. So, maybe we'll never know. Uh, yeah. But, again... The best news I have is that he died in prison on April 11, 2011 in Columbus, Ohio, with a $2 million bail on his head. And we're all the better for it. We truly are. And that is the story of the sweetheart killer and, more importantly, Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew. The remembrance. Remembrance of them. And that's my story. Wow. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. I wanted to do a short one today, and then I just... (laughs) You know, jumped into like the biggest, most heart wrenching. As we tend to do, yeah. Yeah. Oops. I also have a really long story, so this might be a long episode today, guys. I like it. You know what? This is what you're gonna do. You gotta go for a nice long walk, or just meandering around the area. Social distance yourself. Social distance yourself. You know what? Why not drive around and just just listen to a podcast? Or, you a know, few times. A few Give times. Give us a few listens. Exactly. If we get up to a thousand listens, we can put in, get a little <laughs> Some bit. Some peanut butter could, ads. We could get a little bit more uh, <laughs> revenue for these. Exactly. Episodes, so. And then Hannah can buy herself some more snacks. Perfect. Great. Well, Good job. Sage is going to eat in about three minutes. So let's, let's ready, get ready to hold down the house. Hold it down. Yeah. Cool. Good job. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Today, mm. I have a, a little rundown. Um, I got my sources from IMDb, Wikipedia, and Fandom.com. Nice, dude. So, I've been taking it pretty easy on you for the last few podcasts. No, you have not. Even though Thunderbirds was probably like the best one to date. Um, so, this week, I'm coming at you hard and fast. Talking ghosts. Very specific amount of ghosts. Oh, God. I'm talking 13 ghosts. Oh, I thought you were going to say 12. Baby. No. 13 ghosts. Isn't that a great promo image for that? I do not ever want to watch this. Great. Let me change your mind. <laughs> Good luck. Remember Scooby-Doo? Uh, faintly, yes. Neither do I. <laughs> Sort of feels like a fever dream. Yes. Just to try to think about it. Yeah. But what I do remember is Matthew Lillard. Is that Shaggy? Fun loving friend, the guy Shaggy. Oh. Just want to scroll, scroll down that. a little bit. Get the, yeah, dude. Good picture of him there. Yeah. Good picture of him and Scoob together. So good. And then scroll down a little bit more. Get some memes. <laughs> some good memes. This movie I'm about <laughs> to talk about turned him into this. Oh, God. Right here. With his face all shrunken <laughs> and shrivelly, I've got a bad feel about this scoob. It's like this is this is what it's going to do. Why don't we know so many people who are the embodiment <laughs> of Shaggy? Myself know. included, honestly. I don't know. Okay. All right, all right. Can't get too bogged down at the top of this one. Mm. Let's overview this thing. Okay. IMDb. This is the synopsis. When Cyrus Criticos. A very rich collector of unique things dies. He leaves it all to his nephew and his family, all including his house, his fortune, and his malicious collection of ghosts. Cyrus 
Come on. You know a guy named Cyrus Criticos right. has a collection what of ghosts. What an ass. Yeah. Jeez. Now that sounds like a rowdy time and a campy ass movie. <laughs> Does it not? Yes. No. <gasps> oh. What we have here today is a collection of bona fide tortured and anguished souls to walk through. And it's my job to be your guide as we peruse all 13 ghosts as part of the Black Zodiac today. Mm. Can I ask a quick question? Have you seen this movie? No. So how do you know it's not campy? We'll get there. Oh, all right. So exposition up front. Yes. The Black Zodiac is a dark inversion of the normal Zodiac. Oh. Like its celestial counterpart, the more eldritch Black Zodiac is divided into 12 arcane signs. You know, like we have the Aries, Taurus, Gemini, stuff like that. Sure. Unlike its counterpart, however, these signs represent 12 earthbound ghosts necessary mm-hmm. to gain access to the Ocularis Infernum. Oh, Lord. All right. In addition to the 12 standard ghosts, the Black Zodiac also encompasses a 13th ghost, the Broken Heart. Oh. This spirit is the final ingredient in the spell to fully activate Basilius's machine due to being sacrificed willingly out of an act of pure love instead of misery. I'll explain what both of those things are. Okay. You're you're using a lot of big words, so I love it. So if you scroll down a little bit more, I have each of the signs and what they look like. Oh, interesting. The Torn Prince, the Bound Woman, the Withered Lover, the Angry Princess, the Pilgrimess, the Great Child, the Dire Mother, the Hammer, the Jackal, the Juggernaut, the Broken Heart, the Firstborn Son, and the Torso. Gosh, all right. The Welcome Mat is out. Step inside if you dare. Um, I'm good. (laughs) Okay. So, the Ocularis Infernum, Latin for the Eye of Hell. Is an eye located in hell that once opened will allow its user, whoever it is that is able to control it, the power to see everything in the past and future, heaven and earth, the blessed and the damned. Basilius's machine was designed to open the Ocularis Infernum and give the machine's user control over it by using the ghosts of the Black Zodiac. However, once the machine was destroyed, no one could access the power of the eye. That's literally a picture of it right there, too. It's pretty nasty looking. I just... Why? Why would you want to? Because power. Oh, I guess. Basilius's machine, as described by Kalina, one of the characters in the movie. Great. Is a house-like machine, quote, designed by the devil and powered by the dead. God. It physically resembles a two-story mansion with walls made of ectobar glass Etched with Latin containment spells, at the heart of the house is a central core of huge mechanical gears and a rotating crest of rings. It requires 13 earthbound spirits, all of which represent the Black Zodiac in order to work. Once the machine is activated, it will supposedly open the Ocularis Infernum, which grants the user unfathomable power. Goodness. All right. Yeah. So there's a lot of setup to this first uh, explanation. Okay. Just so we... We know what we're working with. Sure. I mean, honestly, props to the creators of this movie for going all this lore. Yeah. I like it. It's pretty crazy. Like, they could have done, like, the three ghosts. Like, nah, man. 13. Like it. Yeah, dude. All right. Okay. So, we're starting off. All right. The Firstborn Son. The Firstborn Son is the ghost of Billy Michaels and the first ghost to be featured in The Black Zodiac. As a child, Billy was fascinated by Western films and wouldn't allow anyone to keep him from them. One day, a neighbor taunted Billy into a duel in which Billy used a toy gun. 
However, his toy cap gun was no match for the real steel-tipped arrow the neighbor was using. What? And he died when the neighbor shot it through the back of his head. Oh, my God. Yup. That's not First a fair of all, fight. This this other kid is a jerk. Yes. He was turned around, and then the dude shoots him in the back of the head with an arrow. How does that? Where kid are you have, getting an arrow? How does that have like that guy have that good of a of aim? Yeah, I don't know. Ridiculous. Well, upon his death, his ghost incarnation can be seen wielding a tomahawk axe as his weapon of choice, mm. which is ironic for him since he is mostly dressed as a cowboy. The ghostly whispers which signal the firstborn son's approach are the sound of an arrow whistling through the air. Oh, that's cool. So each one is going to have like a sound that signals their approach. Nice. Whenever the firstborn son is present, he tends to whisper, I want to play. I want to play. And then to which I reply, I want to (laughs) die. Could you imagine? Goodbye. Uh, A little bit of trivia. His name in life, Billy Michaels, may be a reference to Billy the Kid oh, cool. due to the fact that he loved cowboy films in life. Aww. The firstborn son is equivalent to Aries, oh. which is the first sign in the black and traditional zodiacs. They tend to be reckless, daredevils, irresponsible, youthful, immature, and stubborn. Aren't you an Aries? Yeah. That makes so much sense. None of that describes me at all. Um, could, should I just read this back to you? None of that describes mm, me at all. I love you. For some reason, despite always dressing as a cowboy, his ghost is seen dressed as an Indian, even carrying a tomahawk as a weapon. Hmm. You know, the game Cowboys and Indians. I can't help what it was in the past. Justin. And I'm not going to try. It's not your fault. You're not writing the movie. Exactly. Whilst other ghosts appear to only travel across the ground, um, the firstborn son often appears standing on walls or hanging from the ceiling. Oh, Lord. All right. The Latin inscription beneath the firstborn son's symbol in the Arcanum, Primus Filius, translates to the first son. Nice. I have a picture of each one at the bottom of the description as well. Oh. He just looks kind of sad. He does look really sad. Sweetie, clean up that blood. I know, right? It's all over his face. Oh, goodness. Next is the torso. Ew. The torso is the ghost of Jimmy, the gambler Gambino. And the second ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Jimmy Gambino was obsessed with gambling and would spend his days at the track instead of at school and his nights gambling in CD bars. Aww. Jimmy eventually opened his own booking business, though he was barely able to make his payoffs because of his compulsive gambling. And he quickly developed a reputation due to his refusal to turn down a bet. It's kind of like when someone like walks up to Marty McFly and he's like, nah, you're chicken. And then all of a sudden it's like, bomb. Bumpa, and he turns around and he's like, nobody calls me chicken. And Honestly, then he gets punched in the face. Marty, there are so many worse things that you could be called. So many. Like, if someone called me a chicken, I'd be like, yeah, frick right. I'm not going to do that. I'll be like, no, I'm actually a person. Aww, Good thanks. try, though. <laughs> Jimmy's inability to turn down a bet eventually caught the attention of mobster and maid man Larry the Finger Vitello. Oh, who bet heftily on a boxing match. Jimmy agreed and sealed his fate. When Jimmy's fighter was defeated, he fainted. When Jimmy awakened, Larry and his gang arrived to collect Larry's winning from Jimmy. But because Jimmy was cleaned out instead, they cut Jimmy's body up, wrapped the pieces in cellophane, and dumped them into the ocean. Oh my god! Sorry, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> the worst. Oh, that that's just escalating too fast. Truly. The sounds that signal the torso's presence are muffled screams, cores, the Good. cellophane. Yeah, that makes sense. In the film, the torso was portrayed by Daniel Wesley, who is a double amputee. Dude, that's, that's pretty cool. really cool. Yeah. The Latin inscription beneath the torso symbol in the arcanum, truncus, mm-hmm. translates to trunk, which is another name for the human torso. Nice. The torso appears to be one of the weaker ghosts encountered as he can't harm anyone because he's never seen harming anyone. Sure. Obviously, he can't move <laughs> or hold stuff. I can just but flap into people. You got the picture of that one, too? Does he have a head? No. His head, he's headless. Oh, but it looks like he's got his arms yet. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So I don't really know how they did the double amputee thing because both legs. Yeah, but he's got no head, you know. Uh... Can't get caught up in the G hills. Nope. All right. The bound woman is the next ghost. Uh, I don't know. The bound woman is the ghost of Susan Legros, and the third ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Susan Legro had a privileged life and was a member of her school's cheerleading squad. Oh. Her parents were the richest people in town, thus instantly making her the most popular girl at her school. This is my story. You sure? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you're going to want this story later. Oh, okay. However, Susan also had a defining flaw, her treatment of men. She used her beauty to flirt and toy with them, leaving many men heartbroken. Her friends warned her she would regret it someday, but she didn't listen to them. Mm. During her senior year, Susan dated the captain of the school football team, Chet Walters. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you ever hear someone named Chet who is, walk the other way? Uh, it's just like whoever is making this movie. They're like, let's go with all the stereotypes of course I that's the best it. movies i mean the only name that is better than chet walters is jimmy gambino i yeah truly <laughs> well when chet caught susan with another boy on prom night he <gasps> angrily clubbed susan's new boyfriend to death and tied susan up he then killed her by strangling her with his tie and breaking her neck and buried her body under the 50 yard line of the school football field oh god what a gem I mean, um, your treatment of women uh, is so inappropriate. <laughs> I don't blame her for what happened to her. No. Because she was promiscuous. Do you? But like, dude, chill. Seriously. You have no need to club someone and then strangle your girlfriend and bury her on the football field. Yeah, come on. That's going to be so a many better places. field now. Yeah. Oh, high school. What a wild time. Right? Oh, man. To be young again. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Well, we'll trivia. The bound woman's hands are almost always tied behind her back. However, when she and the other ghosts kill Cyrus, her hands are untied. <gasps> the Latin inscription beneath the bound woman's symbol in the arcanum, Soror Dira, translates to dire sister. Mm. Interestingly, much like the jackal, who we'll talk about later, the whispers which signal the bound woman's presence appear to be insane screams and rapid high-pitched laughter. Yuck. Doesn't that sound good? I don't know if I like any of these so far. The torso sounds pretty good. The torso's all right, yeah. Sounds like a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sage, stop eating the cord. Stop it. If he gets that cord, you're not going to be able to hear. He's also going to electrocute himself. Well, yeah. Sage, take a nap. All right. Next. The Withered Lover. This is Gene Criticos. Remember I said Criticos in the beginning? Yes. Yeah. I do remember this. Gene was the loving wife of Arthur Criticos and the mother of their children, Bobby and Kathy Criticos. Gene loved her family deeply, but they tragically lost her one night when, while she and Arthur were sleeping in front of the fireplace, a stray log rolled out and set the Christmas tree alight, quickly starting a house fire. Arthur unintentionally abandoned Jean to save Bobby and Kathy, wrongly assuming that Jean would go outside and wait for them. Um, and the left side of her face and body was horribly burnt by the fire. Sorry. Bless you. That's awful. The burnt Jean was taken to St. Luke's Hospital where she died of her burns. Oh. But she's super nice and never harms anyone. Okay. Uh, I mean, just look at her picture. Yeah, she, she looks, looks like a really nice mom. So was she like Cyrus's family member? Yeah, she was like uh, um, he was like her ancestor. Sure. Okay. I think that makes sense. Oh, that's so sad. Or sister, or something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's really sad. Yeah, I think ancestor. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Next up is the Torn Prince. The Torn Prince is the ghost of Royce Clayton and the fifth ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Royce was born in 1940 and was discovered to be a gifted baseball player in high school despite his attitude problems and superiority complex. Wow. Because you can get away with anything as long as you're in sports. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that is the truth. Sage, you're being a jerk. If three re- uh, 13 Reasons Why isn't enough of an example for you. <sighs> As a destined all-star player, he was offered first-class scholarships from various colleges, all of them offering him the best opportunity to leave his small-town life. However, fate threw a curveball when <gasps> Royce was 17. Johnny, a greaser that challenged him to a drag race, but unbeknownst to Royce, had cut a brake line in his car prior to the event. This, of course, caused Royce to lose control of the car, resulting in an accident which tore a large amount of flesh off his chest as well as the right side of his face. Ew! This incident quickly ended Royce's life. Oh, my God. Yep. In death, he wields his baseball bat as a weapon with brutal force. Whenever he uses it, it is like the way a baseball player would use a bat. So he literally will, like, swing it from the side. Oh, my God. One of the more violent ghosts... That we have here. Uh, I guess. Um, the noises associated with his presence are violent and angry wails. The Latin inscription beneath the torn prince's symbol in the arcanum, Echis Sisus, translates to rent night. Hmm. Rent is another word for torn. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ugh, this guy's yucky. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, also, though, Johnny. Don't cut people's brake lines. Yeah, like that was just super rude. Like, what's the point? And it don't. You know you're you know you're gonna win. You know he's gonna die from this. Why would you do it? Exactly. Ugh. Next up, the angry princess. The angry princess is the ghost of Dana Newman and the sixth ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Mm. Dana Newman was incredibly beautiful in life. According to Cyrus, she had the natural looks of a goddess. Mm. Same. 
but was unable to recognize her beauty. Not same. <laughs> You're beautiful and you know it. <laughs> her self-loathing and low self-esteem from which doctors tried to save her was only fueled by a series of abusive boyfriends and led to her having breast implants, nose jobs, and other unnecessary procedures. Mm. One night, while Dana was alone in a clinic where she worked, she tried to perform surgery on herself due to an imaginary imperfection on her face. But the unorthodox procedure went horribly awry and left her blinded in one eye. She then gave up on beauty and committed suicide in her bathtub by slashing herself with a butcher's knife until she bled to death. When her Ugh. body was discovered, she was described by her loved ones as being as beautiful in death as she was in life. What the hell? Who says that about somebody? Don't. Don't you like them better when they're alive? Ugh. <laughs> Yuck. Well, in her ghost incarnation, the angry princess wields a butcher knife, the one she used to kill herself. Good. Yep. Trivia. In the original script, she was called the suicide. Oh. But, you know, sad. can't quite sneak that one past the censors. Not as tasteful. According to the DVD subtitles, the whispers which signal her approach are whispering, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. In the bathroom scene, I'm sorry is written in blood on the floor. Usually, an area that the angry princess is currently present at is covered in blood, mm. visible only through the spectral viewers. Mm. <laughs> You're going to have to watch the movie to find out what that is. I honestly don't know. We should probably watch this. Most notably, her containment cube and the bathroom. Okay. The containment cube is like the part with with that house, the mansion thing. Yeah. Like the big machine, the Basilius sure. machine. I see. Um, the whisper associated with her can also resemble soft feminine moans. Uh, like that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the Latin inscription beneath her symbol in the arcanum, Sibi Mortem Concisere, roughly translates as she commits suicide in English. Oh, gosh. Yeah. She's creepy looking. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, she's not that pretty. Yeah, dude. Well, it's because she was in the bathtub. Oh, I see. So she's all like pale. I see. And the bath water sucks all the color out of your skin. Why did she slash her face? Oh, maybe that was the that was the, the wound original. from this. Yeah. Oh God, sweet angel. Ugh. Yeah. Next up is the pilgrimess. Mm. The pilgrimess is the ghost of Isabella Smith and the seventh ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Guys, we're almost halfway done. Whoa. And it's only been 20 minutes. Wow. Thanks for sticking with oh, us. Oh, this is so long. I'm so sorry. I love <laughs> I'm it. I'm so sorry if anyone hates this. Justin, own your skills. is super interesting to me. <laughs> All right. During colonial times, circa 1600, 1790, Isabella Smith sailed across the Atlantic Ocean to a New England town in search of a better life. But all the tight-knit townsfolk didn't trust outsiders, and Isabella became isolated from the rest of the town. When the town's livestock began to die mysteriously, shortly after her arrival, Isabella was accused by the local preacher of witchcraft. We all know witchcraft. What witchcraft claims mean absolutely nothing. It was LSD, everyone. Truly. <laughs> she denied the claim, but when the preacher fell ill, the town quickly turned against her and cornered her in a barn. They lit the structure on fire, but Isabella emerged completely unscathed. Daenerys? Right? Oh my god. There's dragons. In <laughs> Instead of a quick death, 
Isabella was sentenced to a slow, painful death in the stocks where kids, kids stoned her, women cursed at her, and men spat at her until she eventually died of starvation weeks later. Okay, can you just imagine a time before, you know, movie ratings, before rated R, PG-13, mm-hmm. before, you know, like parental locks on the internet, a time where your kids were encouraged to stone people. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. No, I yeah, it's too much. It's ridiculous. Too much. That's rated M for mature all the way. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Well, if one looks closely when um, one of the characters comes across the imprisoned pilgrimess, her containment cube is covered in thick cobwebs and dead leaves. Um, you'll notice that the pilgrimess approach, um, her approach appears to be the sound of distant wailing. As noted by Cyrus, it is unknown whether or not Isabella was really a witch in her life. In the original script, she was called the Buried Lady. Oh. Mm. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know. The pilgrimage is kind of cool. Though. And it's more like it's very, it's very timely. That's true. Like you can, you can absolutely tell where, when she's from then. Right. Uh, being from the 17th century, this most likely makes her the oldest member of the other members of the 12 ghosts. Mm. The pilgrimage is the only ghost not to have a Latin inscription beneath her symbol in the Arcanum. Interesting. I wonder why. She's a witch. Oh. She's kind of creepy looking. Yeah. But I also kind of just feel bad. So wait, is she always in the cage? Um, I don't think that's necessarily what you're supposed to imply. Okay. Um, again, not having seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I, she, it, I don't. It doesn't sound like she's violent in any way. Like she's just kind of chill. Sure. She's just one of the ghosts. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Quit looking at the pictures before I talk about it. No, I just. Ugh. All right, the Great Child. Is the next one. The Great Child is the ghost of Harold Shelburne and the eighth ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Born to Margaret Shelburne as a result of rape by the tall man. Ew. I'll explain that a little bit. Harold was raised in a carnival as an attraction and his mother's protector. Because Margaret never stopped spoiling him, Harold not only weighed 136 kilograms, which is 300 pounds, by his later years, but somehow retained his childlike mindset his entire life to the point that he never grew out of diapers. Oh. Because of this, Harold and Margaret were taunted and teased at every turn. One day, some circus workers kidnapped Margaret as a cruel joke on Harold. In a rage-fueled search for his mother, he ransacked most of the carnival, but when he found her, she had already suffocated in the bag the workers had kept her in. Enraged, Harold killed the circus workers responsible for Margaret's manslaughter with an axe and put their remains on display for paying customers. <gasps> oh my god. What a wild person this is. Ooh. When the carnival broker, Jimbo, god. of course, because his name is Jimbo, <laughs> when he found out what Harold had done, he ordered an angry mob to confront and horribly execute Harold. Yeah. This is a fun one. Ugh, so sad. In death, he still carries the axe he used to kill the other circus uh, people when he was looking for his mother. He's never seen using it, but it's implied that he knows how to use it in death. Okay. Originally, in the script, Harold died when he choked on his own vomit. Oh, wow. However, the producers changed this as they felt it was too weak a backstory for him, and I agree. Yeah, I agree, too, because this is much more vengeful. Yeah, it's very redeeming, almost. Yeah. 
It is unknown why the great child as a ghost appears as he did in life, while most of the other ghosts normally appear as they looked after or at the moment they died. Mm -hmm. However, according to Cyrus, when Harold was killed, his body was mutilated beyond what you or I could comprehend. This is probably the reason he appears as he did before he died. Sure. That makes sense. Naturally, the sounds associated with the great child are infantile whimpers. Strangely, the Latin inscription beneath the symbol for the great child and the dire mother, which is the next mm. one, in the arcanum, mures, is the Latin word for mice. Interesting. Don't know if that's a joke or not. I don't know. He mm. is the only mentally handicapped ghost of the Zodiac as he is mentally around one to two years old. Okay. It is possible... Um, that part of his condition was genetic as his dad was also in the circus. Yeah. So he was like a a freak, as you call them. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, he is arguably not an evil spirit, but merely a protective one due to his tragic life and his mental state. Oh, it's kind of sweet, but yeah. really sad. Yeah. He also looks super angry. Yeah, he really does. And uh, the vomit doesn't help. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why we have to do that. I don't know. Well. We're going to continue on in just a moment. Okay. Next up, we have the Dire Mother okay. following up with Harold. The Dire Mother is the ghost of Margaret Shelburne and the ninth ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Margaret grew up to be a mere three feet in height, oh and my. even her own mother would sometimes dress her up like a doll. Oh. Which is really kind of not great. No. She could never stand up for herself because of her size. And uh, was constantly stared at and picked on as a result of it. Seeking acceptance, Margaret joined Jimbo's Carnival, but found this life as an attraction for people to ogle at just, just as bad. Yeah. Um, while Margaret was sweeping up a donkey pen one night, another carnival worker called the Tall Man attacked her and raped her, causing her to become pregnant and give birth to her son, Harold. Margaret never stopped spoiling Harold as he grew, causing him to remain in diapers his entire life and retain his infant mindset, but Margaret didn't care. One day, the circus workers kidnapped Margaret as part of a cruel joke on her and her son and kept her in a sack where she suffocated. Yeah. Originally, Margaret died when Harold choked on his vomit and fell on and suffocated her. Oh, God, I don't like that but one. obviously, they changed it. Yeah. Um... She is considered by some to be one of the most evil characters as she helped make her son um, mentally, uh, what's the word? You do mentally challenged, mentally delayed. Mentally delayed. Mentally delayed. However, others view her as a well-intentioned extremist. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, that's such a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to... Not give your child a chance. Yeah. I agree. Because in so many circumstances, this would be considered child abuse. Right. Um, Maybe he could have done something else. Yeah. Then be known as like the 300 pound kid. Exactly. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. But I don't think that she's like the most evil spirit by any means. No. Just yeah. some people think that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it was sh it was shown in the movie that she's blind in the left eye, mm -hmm. but it's unknown if this occurred before or after death. Um, yeah, the Latin inscription beneath the symbol for her and her son uh, is the Latin word for mice. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's really interesting. Yeah, hmm. I have a picture of her there. Oh, okay. 
She doesn't look evil. But... No, she just looks like a sweet older lady. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard. Don't look at these pictures. I'm not. I'm scrolling down. All right. Next up is the hammer. Ooh. Hammer of justice. Not really. This guy's pretty shit. Oh, okay, great. Uh, the hammer is the ghost of George Markley and the 10th ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. George Markley was an honest, hardworking blacksmith until a man named Nathan wrongly accused George of theft and threatened to banish him from the town they lived in. Oh, gosh. Knowing he was innocent, George stood up to Nathan and refused to move, cause, causing Nathan and his gang to one day beat George's wife and children to death. Oh, my God. Enraged, he tracked down Nathan and his friends and brutally beat them to death with his sledgehammer. When the town discovered what George had done, they dragged him back to his shop where they tied him to a tree and drove railroad spikes into his body with his own sledgehammer, slowly killing him. Don't you have anything better to do, townsfolk? Apparently not at this time. Then, as a finishing touch, they cut off George's hand and fixed his sledgehammer in its place. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Which, like... Maybe kind of cool. Kind of like an ashes situation. Right. Evil With dead. a shotgun and a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... yeah. In his ghost incarnation, his hammer replaces his left hand, which he uses with lethal force. Mm. Um, he's shown removing one of his railroad spikes from his body. So it's implied that he can use them as weapons too. Oh, great. Uh, the whispers that signal his approach are deep growling. Ew. Yeah, creepy. I do not like. The Latin inscription beneath his symbol, Malleus Ignis, translates to fire hammer. Ooh, that's kind of badass. Yeah. Um, He's the only African-American ghost in the Zodiac. Interesting. That's, that's oh, that cool. makes... Okay. <sighs> yep. I was going to say, uh, it makes a little bit more sense. Why, why people the would come townspeople. And, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Thanks, American history. Yeah. Well, it's unknown what the false theft was about as well. Oh, so good, good, good. Yeah. That pretty much translates to racism. Yeah. Um, he's considered the most understandable of the killers <laughs> as the law was corrupt and the people he killed were his family's murderers. I mean, legitimately, my first instinct was like, I mean. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the picture of him is pretty brutal. Yeah, it's really not good. He's kind of cool, though. He kind of looks like, um, what's that one scary guy that Keith has all David. the... I'm sorry? What? I was thinking, what's that one scary guy that has all the pins in his head? Pinhead? Oh, wow, that was easy. Yeah, him. I'm getting that vibe. From Hellraiser? Yeah, Hellraiser. Thank you. I was getting yeah. all the that vibe from, from him with all the spikes. Yes, definitely. Awful way to go. Yeah, no thanks. Next up is the Jackal. The Jackal is the ghost of Ryan Kuhn and the 11th ghost featured in the Black Zodiac. Born to a sex worker at some point in the year 1887, Ryan Kuhn grew up to develop a sick, insatiable, and uncontrollable taste for women. Oh, that's healthy. As a result, he became a wild and cunning sexual predator attacking, raping, and murdering strays and sex workers in the dead of night like a wild animal. Good. Seeking treatment, he committed himself to Borenwood Asylum, where he eventually went insane. He scratched at his cell's walls so violently that his fingernails were torn completely off, (sighs) making his hands claw-like. 
When Ryan attacked a nurse, the doctors decided to put him in a straitjacket and tightened it whenever Ryan acted out, contorting his limbs horribly. However, Ryan gnawed through it, so the doctors locked Ryan's head in a cage-type helmet and locked him in a dark basement cell where he grew to hate any human contact and would cower and scream madly whenever approached. <laughs> it does not end for this dude. Does he deserve it, though? So here's the thing. At the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, dude, good for you. You self-committed right. yourself into the good. asylum. Great. But um, uh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh. Well, I can finish up and then we can decide. Yeah, let's do that. Let's just see what you think after these new information. Oh, God. When a fire broke out at the asylum while everyone else escaped, Ryan chose to stay behind and meet his deserved fate. And he oh. apparently died in the fire. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, a little bit of trivia here. According to one of the characters, the jackal is the sign of Hell's Winter. Oh. So that's fun. In the original script, he was called the hyena instead of the jackal. Interesting. I think jackal just sounds a little bit more nasty. Yeah, the J. I like it. The Latin inscription beneath a symbol in the Arcanum, Canis Aureus, literally translates to the golden dog. Similar to the bound woman, the whispers which signal his approach appear to be psychotic screaming and or insane laughter. Based on the damage done to the cage helmet, it's implied that the jackal either managed to break out of the helmet or this damage was done during the fire that killed him. Mm. Um, The jackal flees with evident panic from lit flares, suggesting that he retains a dread of the fire that killed him. According to another character, the jackal is the Charles Manson of the ghosts. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't really know the connection there, but, you know, it was an older movie. Does, it, I, does that mean that he doesn't kill anybody? He tells other people to kill people? I don't know. I've never seen the movie. We need to watch this movie. Okay, we will. Okay. His description states he committed himself to psychiatric care, implying that he did understand what he was doing wrong. That's almost Uh, worse. It really is. If you want to take a look at these pictures. Ew. These are nasty. This is like. This dude looks like Pennywise. This dude looks like Marilyn Manson and Pennywise had a child. And it's not good. Terrifying. Also, I'm getting really big. Um. What's that guy you you defeat in Dark Souls? Bloodborne. Bloodborne that has the... What's his name? Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Nice. Has a cage on his head. Mm -hmm. Yuck. Yep. I don't like that. You just... The only thing I can think of is it starts with an M. Mikalash. Machiavelli. Exactly what I said. Host of the Nightmare. (laughs) Great. So that one's nasty. This guy's creepy. Um... Next up is the Juggernaut, mm. the ghost of Horace the Breaker Mahoney. Ooh. The 12th ghost to be featured in the Black Zodiac. Horace was abandoned by his mother almost immediately after birth and was raised by his father. Great. As a child, Horace grew to such a grotesque height and appearance that he was constantly ostracized and spent his child as, childhood as an outcast. Mm. Mr. Mahoney put Horace to work at his junkyard, chopping and crushing up old cars. When Mr. Mahoney died, Horace was left alone and finally, with no one to guide him, went insane as a result. Great. He became a serial killer, 
picking up hitchhikers and stranded motorists to take back to his junkyard. There, he would rip them apart with his bare hands and feed their remains to his dogs. Oh! This preferred method of murder was what earned him the name The Breaker. Um, Horace's seventh to-be victim turned out to be an undercover police officer who Mm -hmm. had a SWAT team surround the junkyard and arrest Horace. However, he was able to break free of his handcuffs and kill three police officers before he was gunned down by five SWAT officers. They then added one final volley of shots into him just to be sure that he was dead. I mean, at that point, you, might you well. gotta. Yeah. Well, it's like in uh, in the office, like when someone in Dwight's family, when someone <laughs> dies and they have the funeral, you have to shoot the body to make sure they're actually dead because some had actually been alive. Oh my god! I was like, "How in the heck are you relating this to the office?" You can relate everything to the office. Yeah, thank you, Dwight Schrute. Um, the whispers which signal his approach t- appear to be roaring wind. Oh, the Latin inscription beneath his symbol is Stantibus Celsior, which mm-hmm. means Titan, referring to his great size and strength. Interesting. Besides the jackal, the juggernaut is the only ghost who is a proven criminal in life. Mm. Um. He is the only known ghost to continue killing after being killed. Um, quite possibly the most violent of the ghosts. Really? Yeah. He's pretty nasty looking too. Yeah, he's gross. Yeah. Do you think... Okay, so I have a picture of him. Do you think mm-hmm. those are all bullet wounds? They could be, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just has like red spots Holes all, all over, over him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Finally, we come to the broken heart. Oh. Arthur Criticos was meant to be the 13th ghost in the Black Zodiac. Arthur was a math teacher as well as the loving and caring husband of Jean and the father of Bobby and Kathy Criticos. However, one night, Jean was horribly burnt by a fire caused by a stray log from the fireplace, lighting the Christmas tree, and died in the hospital. Arthur was deeply heartbroken by this, and he and his family were forced to move into a cramped apartment hire Maggie Bess as a nanny for Bobby. The Latin inscription beneath the broken heart symbol in the Arcanum, Corda Tacita, translates to the silence of the heart. And if you look at this picture... Dude, that's Monk! It's Monk. Dude! So basically, we have to watch this movie because it has Monk and Shaggy in it. I'm in. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Wait, do you know anything about the plot of the movie? Nope. (laughs) Oh, that's... I just thought these ghosts were really interesting, and I wanted people to know about it. Okay. So now, 13 ghosts. <laughs> Go watch it, I guess. I don't know. Great. Okay. Well, Justin and I have this movie list that we um, created when we first started dating, and um, basically, we're not even close to being uh, finished with it. So we'll add this to the list. Mm-hmm. Let's find it. Maybe we need to find it somewhere in YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Let's watch it. Come back. Tell tell the masses Okay. our opinion. This is not my recommendation. I will say. <laughs> you for, just told people to watch for it. recommendation station, this is not my recommendation. Oh, fine. But if you're interested, give it a shot. Because I didn't really say a whole lot about the plot. No. I just talked about the ghosts and their backstories. You didn't so, say anything about the plot. Therefore, <laughs> uh, you can watch the movie yourselves without anything getting spoiled. I see. Except for the main character part. Uh, just it's uh, fine. forget about that part just watch the movie <laughs> so that is the 13 ghosts Dude, of the black zodiac that was really interesting yeah 
I liked that. And I would really, again, really, really like to watch this movie, learn more about the characters, actually see them in their real life form and find out what Shaggy has to do in this movie. Right. I want to see Scooby. I want to see Fred. I don't think it's a crossover. Um, Daphne, Velma. Uh, I want to see who they unveil as the monster Oh, in this one. Is it the mayor? Is it the owner? You know? We have to get to the bottom of this case. I see. So, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Oh, okay. Is that your recommendation? No. All right. Wait, well, let's do, let's do recommendations real quick then. Okay, go. No, you go first. <laughs> Why? <gasps> okay, I'll go. Okay. Um, lately, we've been watching Supernatural. Dude. Um, on Netflix. I've seen, I've seen it already. Um, it's really good, but we're watching it together now. And, um, one way that we can get past all the sadness in that show is with the joy of painting with Bob Ross. (laughs) Oh, so good. I am recommending Bob Ross to anyone. He's on Hulu. He's on Netflix. I'm sure he's on YouTube. It's just very calming, very relaxing. Makes you feel good about life. And that smile at the end oh, breaks your heart. Kills me every time. So good. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, though, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if it's his voice or just his mannerisms or just everything. But it's just, I can feel myself becoming okayer, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. better. Yeah. The anxiety goes down so much. In these troubling times. Exactly. We all need Bob Ross in our lives. Especially when he shows Peapod, his little squirrel. Yeah. Oh, my God. It just melts me. Yeah. I love that. That's a very good recommendation. Well, um, I... You don't have one, do you? The only thing I can think of is Shrek. No, that's not even relevant. <laughs> that's not even new to you. I was just like, week. Hannah, what makes you happy? And I was like, Shrek makes me happy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, legitimately, I will recommend something. Um, Sage, stop eating the cords. You are a nuisance. Don't buy. Okay, my recommendation for this week <laughs> is... Okay, yes, I have one. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh at me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... I uh, Okay, I am a very big connoisseur of musicals. Mm. I like... I like musical movies. I like rock operas. I just give me a movie that also has music in it and I'm down. I'm not a really big fan of Les Mis, I will say, because there's too much singing. Yeah, okay. I need almost equal parts singing and speaking. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, And I know that this is silly, but the musical Hairspray brings Ah. me so much joy. Okay. And the other day, I think it was like on Saturday... I was just in a little bit of a funk and Justin was taking a shower and I was like, you know what, Hannah, you should put the hairspray soundtrack on. And it was just one of those moments where like, I haven't watched this movie in maybe a good 10 years, but as soon as the music came back on, I knew every single word I was singing along with Zac Efron and, um, Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Mm -hmm. And it was just a great time. So my recommendation does not necessarily have to be hairspray, but my recommendation is for you to 
find some music from your childhood that makes you happy that maybe you haven't listened to in a long time. Maybe it's you Google a specific year that you mm-hmm. were alive and you find like the top playlist of that year, or yeah. you just look back at like your favorite music that you haven't listened to for a long time. Do that. It's a good one. And just um, have some fun. That's really good. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. Or watch Shrek because Shrek is such a good mm, movie. Maybe just stick with the music thing. Oh, Shrek is so good. Uh, that's good. It's <laughs> a good one. Thanks, Doopy. Thanks. Yours is very good too because. Also, Supernatural is fantastic. Yeah. Never in a million years did I think a story about supernatural things would just entice me so much. Yeah. But gosh darn, I care so much about those Winchester boys and Bobby. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. I've cried so much during that show. Nice. Nice. Well, <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, good. Um, <laughs> we need to find a way to close you this. Can, you can find us <laughs> on Facebook. Yes. Anything spooky goes. Yes. Podcast. Yeah. We have a page. Like us. That's where we post pictures from the episodes um, and any other updates that we have yeah. on the podcast. Um, please also tell anyone about this that you think would be interested. Yeah. Share Thanks. this podcast with the world. We are on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, everything. And we would love to hear from you. Please. That would be wonderful. If you ever just felt, you know, an aching in your heart to listen to two awkward people talk about things that they enjoy. Yeah. What a great opportunity to do so. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my spleen. For listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Until next week. We'll see you next time. Stay spooky. And watch Shrek. Hey. Goodbye. <sighs> <laughs>